Hello, welcome to the first episode of It's Like This Everywhere. If you are here, it means that you either know me, um, which is thank you, <laughs> friends and family for supporting me, or you have found me, uh, in which case I am just as thankful for you. This is the very first episode of It's Like This Everywhere, and my name is Dana, but I've been better known as Hustle Goddess for almost 10 years during my life in Kenya. I would also like to thank you for listening to this because I am a one-woman show and I'm struggling with sound and production. And if you're here with me, you are currently inside of my closet sitting on my clothes, much to the disappointment of my cat Cheez-It, who I've had to lock out. So you are my ride or die and I really appreciate you. (laughs) So before we dive into the meat of what this episode is about, which is going to be my origin story of being in Zambia for a month before moving to Kenya, I would like to reiterate what this podcast is about. And the goal of this podcast is talking about globalization and talking about how truly shared the human experience is as we shift in and out of what my life was in Kenya and my experiences. I fully intend to conduct interviews with people because like I said, we're discussing the shared experiences and the unique experiences of people from all around the world. I want people to know that we truly are a network and it is like this everywhere. And sometimes that can mean the good things and the bad things. So before um, we get to my life in Kenya and what it's been for the past 10 years. I owe you the origin story. I owe you what inspired that move and who inspired that move. So before we get to Zambia, I need to bring you back to my years in high school. And I say My years in high school, really what I mean is my last year, which wasn't my senior year because I technically never had one. I was able to graduate a year early, not because I got great grades. Please don't take that from this conversation, but actually because I thought to myself, why not graduate a whole year early if I could? So I asked my guidance counselor and they begrudgingly told me that as long as I did not fail any courses or take any extras, I would technically be able to graduate early. And so after accomplishing what I considered to be the bare minimum, (laughs) I was then rewarded with a graduation at 17. And with that year of being undecided and unattached, I figured what better place to be those things than Zambia. I chose Zambia because growing up, I was convinced I was going to be working uh, for environmental work. I wanted to be an environmental activist of some kind, specifically with lions. I've always loved big cats. You know, you've heard of horse girls. I was a lion girl. I was I was absolutely 100% a big cats, you know, exotic kind of, please don't think Tiger King. Um, but those were my interests. And so I found a program in Zambia where I could help hand raise lions. And it's called the African Lion and Environmental Research Trust, or ALERT. 
And so we're going to talk about in this podcast, my time with alert specifically. So I went to Zambia in 2011 for that gap year. Um, I only stayed a month, but it was during the gap year. I should have been a senior and I found it because I was looking for literally anything, literally any kind of travel, literally anything, of course, that was not in my hometown. And I was familiar with uh, a state, a program in a state kind of next to us in Wisconsin, um, who is ran by a guy named Jeff. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's Wisconsin, you know, big cats is the shorthand, but it's truly wonderful. And I realized that I wanted to go past Wisconsin. I wanted to go past the borders of my state. I think all young people can have that kind of desire of what's what's out there. You know, all people really have the desire of like what's past the borders that I'm familiar with. And so inspired by my sister who had already been living in Kenya for at least a few months, if not a year, as she also took a gap year after she graduated, I said, why not put my money where my mouth is? You know, why, why not take the leap? And so Zambia is where I went. And let me paint the picture of the earliest memory I have of Zambia. Uh, and this is a shared experience I'm sure people will be able to relate to. But this is what I call uh, the adult alone. And being adult alone <laughs> is very similar to the SpongeBob level of advanced darkness. <laughs> this was my very first time traveling alone, uh, especially outside of the country. And I get to the hotel and it's just late enough in the day that there's really nothing I can go out and explore and do. But it's just early enough that the sun is still out. So there's almost plenty of day left to be anxious. And I'm sitting in this beautiful hotel room, you know, with beautiful natural light, very natural aesthetic of, of hardwood and sun. And I was completely alone. There was no family to call upon nearby. There was no, no one I could run to. And I remember, of course, calling my father and, and he is calming me down and he's totally gets it. And he tells me, lean into it. The only thing you can do is lean into it and relax and, and realize that this is where I was. And I remember laying back and seeing a little lizard on the roof of the my room, on the ceiling, I guess. And as odd as it might sound, it was arguably comforting to have another living creature <laughs> in the room with me. But it it felt less lonely. But that is the earliest memory I have of Zambia and my first roommate being a lizard. Uh, and arguably that was sort of the very much solidifying memory of you are 100% in a different country. So 
I don't want to paint myself as, you know, not a world traveler or not super worldly, but at 17 years old, man, did that feel terrifying. <laughs> it felt absolutely horrifying, but I got picked up the next day. Unfortunately, I had to leave my roommate behind, um, but I'm sure he's doing well. He lives in a hotel and I'm riding in the back of the truck and we get to the preserve that I'm going to be living on for the next month with other volunteers and with management. I was actually one of the only Americans there. I believe there's one other woman. Um, it was not really common even for Americans to be doing this program to even have, have heard of it. Uh, they also lost my bags, not, not the program, but the airport. So that was as equally and intimately terrifying. Uh, as being alone was also being alone with nothing. <laughs> I was alone in a foreign country for a few days uh, with with essentially nothing. It was purely the clothes on my back. Um, which retrospectively, seeing as how I started back over in the States this last year with almost nothing. Uh, maybe I'm forming a habit that I just realized. So... Thanks for being there for, for that breakthrough. I uh, just unlocked a core memory, I guess. But so I'm there and we are truly hand raising lions. We are at 100 percent. No fences, you know, while doing these lion walks, hand raising. And we had cubs at the time who are between about 12 to 13 months and you can really only raise them up till about 18 months before they get too big to, to handle and be around without, you know, the safety of an enclosure. But it was an awe-inspiring and just a really humbling experience to be of service. And this was like my first experience of being of service as an adult and choosing to do it alone. And I had my struggles and my differences, uh, I'm hard-headed with the management who was there and with some people who are there. But something that I realized as I was working there is how comfortable and comforting it was to be around the Zambian handlers. They were the lion handlers and walking with them every day and sharing cultural stories and sharing cultural foods and realizing the similarities between how people wanted to be seen and interacted with. And so that was an incredibly powerful experience for me. And one of the highlights, uh, let me get into the kind of comedic relief aspect of the podcast, was one of the most bittersweet memories I had was on Christmas. I was still in Zambia. And so I missed Christmas with my family. And as a Jew, uh, you know, as a Jewish woman, Christmas is more so much more about being with your family than it is anything else. And so it was sad that I was missing it. And myself and a bunch of the other people who are obviously the volunteers who are missing, you know, Christmas with their families went out. And I got so stupidly drunk. <laughs> I got so insanely drunk on Christmas and thankfully because I don't answer to the management I can finally admit it I woke up drunk the next day I woke up <laughs> still more drunk than I 
have obviously ever been in my life at that time. Um, and one of the most drunk times I think I will ever have. Uh, although there are times in Kenya that we can discuss. But so we all got very drunk. I got incredibly drunk and I woke up the next day and we had to go on a lion walk. And which is literally when you wake up and you walk the lions, you know, for their lion enrichment. And I remember waking up and having the management look at me and they're like, are you going to be too drunk to do this? Are you even going to be safe? You know, what's going to happen with you? And I go, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm really I'm not that bad. You know, just need some water. And so we get to the enclosure and we're, you know, getting ready to release the lions. The, the guards in front make sure that there's uh, no other animals that could endanger us. Because, again, this is a reserve, so you have to be very mindful of if you're going to come up upon uh, an elephant or a rhino or, or anything uh, of that nature. And as they are preparing to take the lions out of, you know, their enclosure to take them on this walk, I proceed to puke in a bush. <laughs> I puke in a bush, I brush myself off, and I get up and we do this dang lion walk. So <laughs> the sheer power of will I had at the time was... I don't know, stupid, I guess you could say. <laughs> the power of will that I had to, to almost prove myself, like many 17-year-olds do have, uh, kept me going. And it kept me going, you know, all of the, the about five weeks I was there in Zambia. And other than getting drunk on Christmas, the, the defining moment that I had in... Zambia was when I sat down with the director uh, at the time. I'm not sure if he's still the director now, but his name is David. And he told me that if I am going to do work in, you know, for the environment, work in environmental activism, there's really only two paths. And he said, we already know what we need to know to save the environment. We already know that we're hurting the planet. We know what we're doing. So the two kinds of careers you could say that are actually going to help are either going to be an economist who can prove that we can do it, you know, that we can do it in such a way that won't hurt the economy, that won't be such a, a detriment to us, or a politician who can powerfully affect legislation. Uh, I would also like to uh, briefly apologize for any little background noises you might be hearing right now. Again, I'm a one-woman show recording on top of clothes in my closet. <laughs> but so he tells me, you either need to be an economist or a politician. And I thought to myself, I'm terrible at math. So I guess I have to be a politician. And after that conversation and in combination of how much I appreciated being around Zambians and being around the lion handlers and how much I, I felt like I related to the warmth that exists in that culture. Kenya seemed like the next logical step. It seemed like the next, you know, step in my life, step in the chain. And so as I continued my time in Zambia, 
that is where I slowly decided that I was going to go, which was to move in with my sister. And that is how I set in motion my plans. I left Zambia. I briefly had a job in the States, but two weeks after I turned 18, which would have been uh, in December, but it would have been sometime in January of 2012, I moved to Kenya, not even technically accepted to university there, but apparently it wasn't a big deal. So (laughs) I moved to Kenya with very limited planning, um, but I had my sister, and we were excited to live together, excited to be together, and that is the first step in what began my incredible life in Kenya and my incredible life that I even have now. So I don't want to turn this into some sort of school lesson or You know, I I never intended this to be some sort of motivational podcast, but until I get, you know, guests who I can have conversations with, I do want to leave you with the concepts to keep in mind for the next episode, which are the concepts of how the world isn't as far away from you as you think it is. You know, the world can actually be accessed and you can access it through travel. You can access it through conversations. You you access it literally through the people you meet. And Zambia was the access point that I had uh, to Kenya. Obviously, my sister was part of that access point. But simply putting yourself out there and having yourself leave your comfort zone is really the initial push you need to realize how close we are and how valuable it is to learn about that closeness and learn about other cultures. So I'm going to leave you with that. And I'm also going to leave you with the reminder to please follow me on social media and leave any comments or questions you might have about what Zambia was like. I'm happy to revisit it, what the program was like, and anything else for the future episodes. So my name is Dana, better known as Hustle Goddess, and this has been It's Like This Everywhere. Thank you for listening. I promise to always be committed to improving, (laughs) but I appreciate you as my ride or die. Have a good one.